Today is March 30th, and this is the 51st episode of the MMA Mike podcast, and what a pay-per-view UFC 260 was that took place last Saturday, March 27th. And for what Dana White's saying, hopefully the last pay-per-view at the Apex, uh, because they want to have pay-per-views in arenas packed with fans, and I like that. Hopefully they could get one in my area, possibly in the New York area, uh, Madison Square Garden, and or the Barclays Center. Uh, and you know, I will be in attendance for sure if that is the case, but anyway, let's dive into UFC 260 Stipe Miocic versus Francis Nganu. Nganu won via KO in the second round, uh, 52 seconds into the round. And you know, I wrote down a lot of things immediately after the fight, my immediate thoughts, and then you know, I wrote down some things that I thought about afterwards. And uh, the biggest thing, you know, that you take away, and I think that you could take away from every Francis fight, is just his power. His power is unmatched. I mean, the only other guy that may have power close to his is Derek Lewis. Um, And I'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, Francis, he touches you and then he has you compromised, you know. And uh, the biggest difference from this fight to the last one was... Francis had that same power. It was just that in this fight, he was a little more composed. And he was talking about that a lot leading up to this fight, reason why he had Kamaru Usman in his corner to help him stay calm and composed. And it was big against Stipe, you know? And the crazy thing was, as I said before this fight, that Stipe had to fight a perfect fight. But, you know, really, Francis Ngannou fought a perfect fight, which is kind of crazy, you know? Stipe didn't look horrible. He looked in good shape. Uh, the first round, you know, he didn't really have much going and he knew he needed to pick it up a little bit in the second round. But what I will say is, you know, back to Francis's power, I think Stipe was compromised after, you know, he got hit with some shots in the first round. And although he may have recovered a little bit, I still think he may have been a little compromised, especially when he got sat down in, uh, the second round. But, um... You know, we did see Francis improve in this fight. You know, I mentioned the composure. But another thing is, is you saw a little bit of ground game uh, that he was able to improve upon. Um, Now, how much of that was improved? I do believe it was improved. But, you know, I think Stipe came in a lot lighter. And that was, he obviously came in a lot lighter. You know, uh, 230-something pounds. Francis, 260-something um, obviously there was about a 30 pound difference. Francis was the bigger guy and stronger. And that was plain and simple. You know, Stipe couldn't get his takedown and Francis was able to grapple with Stipe, I think because of the size, size makes a difference. So the thing for me is, is Francis going to be able to grapple like that against someone, his own size or, and granted there really is no one his size, but against a good grappler, And when I'm talking about this, maybe there isn't anyone immediately right now that Francis hasn't beat that can pose these problems. But, you know, when there is that one person one day, which there will be, you know, every dog has his day and and the division keeps changing and the sport keeps changing over time. You know, I am interested to see how good his grappling really is 
against a guy you know who is good at grappling and his size so i do think that that played a huge huge factor and why he was having success with the grappling against stipe i do think it's improved but i do think that he found success because of his weight and i think that a lot of people are just thinking of him you know as even scarier now yes his striking is great uh, and he's powerful as hell but i think people are giving him a little too much credit on the grappling maybe i shouldn't be so critical on the guy but maybe it's because i'm a huge miocic fan and miocic lost but it is what it is anyway stipe is tough stipe took a lot of hard shots from ninganu and and kept fighting uh until he was ultimately knocked unconscious and you know when you're knocked unconscious you can no longer fight anymore and that's what we saw um I also think the smaller octagon this fight uh played into Francis's favor as well. You know, there was less room for Stipe to move, Stipe to you know, escape um and for the, his own takedowns. You know, Francis was able to bounce off the cage with the first takedown that Miocic uh tried to land and then, you know, Francis reversed it and even, you know, used the cage to his favor to to re rebring down Miocic and um you know, I think the smaller cage uh, put Stipe at a little disadvantage. And the last thing I will talk about about this fight is the counter shot uh, that Stipe threw. You know, Stipe was in trouble and then counter shot, uh, threw a nice counter against Francis and landed. And it looked like it stumbled Francis a little bit. And from there, Stipe should have reset. He should have let himself compose. Francis was going to recompose. And, you know, we were going to see what was going to happen from there. Um, But, unfortunately, he thought he rocked him, kept coming forward. And then, you know, uh, Francis put him out because he was compromised. You know... If if Stipe could have recomposed and, and drawn out this fight a little bit more, you know, he I think he was going to lose the first three rounds regardless. Um, I, he was going to have to really try and see if Francis could have gotten tired in the fourth and fifth and try to get a finish. But otherwise, I think that that fight was going to continue the same way through the third round, you know. Um, so that was it would have been interesting to see if if uh, Stipe could have escaped and, and try to get a, something happening at the end. But you know, credit to Francis. Like I said before, he fought a perfect fight, and there's not much else that you could do against a guy when he fights a perfect fight, especially when you're at a size and power disadvantage. So you know, both guys world class, and it was a great main event, um, a lot of tension, and then you know a, a great fight. So. It should be good. Um, the division it becomes a little more interesting. You know, now you have a real unstoppable force who just beat the greatest heavyweight of all time uh, as champ. You know, and um, the thing is, is Francis has kind of cleared out the division already. When you think about it, I mean, out of everyone in the heavyweight division that is ranked, you know, obviously he just beat Stipe. They are one and one, and I'll get into that a little later. Uh, the only guy that Ninganu hasn't beat that's ranked high is Surreal Gain, uh, uh, which he hasn't even fought yet. And then Derek Lewis, who he has a loss to, but you know that fight obviously was one of the most boring fights in the UFC history. Um, but otherwise, you know, number three, he knocked out Curtis Blades twice. Um, he beat Jarzinho Rosenstrike at number six. 
you know, and a lot of other guys that he beat, you know, aren't ranked anymore, but, you know, were obviously top contenders at the time, uh, you know, when he beat Cain Velasquez and he knocked the head off of Alistair Overeem and, you know, there's a lot of guys, um, you know, there's also Alexander Volkov at number five who he hasn't fought. Um, so there is guys that he hasn't fought yet. Uh, but, you know, he also has cleared out a lot of guys in this division. So should be interesting. Um, what I will say, though, is, you know, you ask the question of what's next. And obviously a lot of people are going to be saying John Jones. And I know Jones came to Twitter and said a lot of things and Dana White said his things. I do think that that fight's going to happen eventually. Whether Francis fights before that or not, that's unsure of. I do think that we there's a chance that we're going to get the Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou rematch before John Jones faces Francis. Now, I don't necessarily think that John will face anyone else before he faces Francis. I just think that there's a good chance that they make the Lewis fight first. Which is interesting because I think Lewis has a good shot of winning. I don't necessarily think that this is super easy for Francis because as you saw when Lewis fought Blades, you know, he's got that crazy knockout power that can make it go stiff as a board. So that's a fun fight. And obviously the John Jones fight is fun because if there's anyone who can solve the puzzle of beating Francis, it's certainly John Jones. Um... So obviously those are the two fights that I would love to see. And, you know, there's a lot of other guys coming up. Like I mentioned, Surreal Gain. I'd like to see what he could do. He should probably fight another contender um, and then see what else. You know, Alexander Volkov. You know, you could even make that fight right now and make it a number one contender's fight because those two are great fighters and that would be a great fight. Uh, You know, if you have Derek Lewis fight Francis, that kind of makes sense for Gon and Volkov. So that would be exciting. And the heavyweight division continues to get more exciting compared to where it was a few years ago. Now, the co-main event, it was a banger. It got fight of the night. Tyron Woodley lost to Vicente Luque. You know, Woodley came out strong. He really did. And he got a lot of criticism in his last couple fights, his last three losses, that... He wasn't letting his hands go. He wasn't being aggressive like he used to. And he came out and really tried to be. And credit to him. You know, he, he, he looked good in the beginning. And even caught Luke with a pretty hard shot. Luke looked relatively big compared to Woodley. Um, but, you know, when they were exchanging fire, Luke caught him and really rocked Woodley. And that was, to, you know, the beginning of the end. Uh, Luke just started pouring it on on Woodley, eventually got him into the Darce choke, got him in the ground and subbed him within the first round. It was a fun fight while it lasted. I would have liked to seen it go a little longer. Uh, But, you know, this emerges Vicente Luque and proves, you know, that he's a legitimate uh, welterweight. Not that he wasn't before, but this moves him up to the number six ranked spot, you know, and I know he called out Nate Diaz, which would be fun. I think that those styles would be crazy. I don't know necessarily if Nate would take that. I think there's been a lot of low ranked guys, not that number six is low, but there's been a lot of guys outside of the top five calling him out for a while and no one, you know, and he has an answer to any of those people, but there's a lot of fights for him in, in this division, uh, slightly above him and slightly below him and 
Uh, I think no matter what you, you give him right now, I don't think you give him anyone uh, below him, maybe other than Michael Chiesa, um, who's number seven. Otherwise, I think you got to give him an opponent above him. And um, either way, it's going to boost him if he wins. And I think it, it raises his stock and he's making his way up. Uh, and for Woodley, who who lowers down to the number 10 ranked, this is tough. You know, it's four straight losses. The only really thing you could do is give him someone below him and allow him to try and make his way up. I don't know what the UFC has in store for him and what he has in store for himself. So, you know, we have to hear a little bit more from Tyron Woodley uh, before, you know, anything happens. I'm sure he's going to take a decent amount of time off, you know, and try and recoup after four straight losses. Sean O'Malley in the bantamweight division knocked out Thomas Almeida in the third round. You know, I think he thought that he was going to get it a little earlier and almost did. Shouldn't have, you know, tried to do the walk-off. But nevertheless, he did get the finish late in the third round, and this was good for O'Malley. You know, he was able to get a full three rounds of fighting in and uh, gave him good ring time, good experience, because a lot of his fights have not gone too, too long. Um, You know, and he improves, and he continues to move up in the bantamweight division. And, you know, I think it's time for him to get a little bit of a bigger name, you know. Uh, (laughs) People are saying, you know, Dominic Cruz. I think that's a little crazy, but it would be fun. Um, But honestly, any any ranked opponent, I think, is next for Sean O'Malley. Uh, Miranda Maverick looked good against women's flyweight Jillian Robertson. Uh, Maverick has really proven her, you know, her worth in the flyweight division. And uh, especially against Jillian Robertson, who is good on the ground, um, Maverick showed that she can handle pressure, deal with being, you know, on her back um, or having someone on her back. Uh, Also, you know, taking Robertson down and ultimately outstriking her. I mean, Maverick outstruck Robertson completely but also dealt with the grappling, which she wanted to prove, I know, coming into this fight. Robertson looked good and looks like a girl who could really, if she continues to improve, potentially challenge the title uh, for the title in the near future. You know, give her a year or a year and a half, and I think she could potentially get there if she continues to improve. I mean, she just defeated Jillian Robertson, who is ranked number 15. Um... I'm just looking now to see if Maverick took her spot. Maverick did take her spot at number 15, you know, and I think give Maverick anyone ranked, you know, anyone from 11 to 14, I think next and let her see what, you know, she can do. Uh, I really like her. And I think that, you know, within two years, you know, a year and a half, she could be in the, you know, title contention spot. And for the first fight on the main card, Jamie Malarkey came out with a bang and knocked out Kama Worthy very early in the first round. Not many strikes thrown on either, uh, you know, side, but Malarkey putting a really nice combination off and knocking out Kama Worthy, showing that, you know, this lightweight division has great fights and great fighters outside of the guys who are ranked. You know, the lightweight division is such a stacked division, and there's so many good fighters outside it that are not ranked uh, that are good. And I'm just going to touch on the prelims very fast. Alonzo Manifield 
took a page out of OSP's book with a Von Flew choke over Fabio Charent in very early in the first round. He looked good, good bounce back for him for the lightweight, light heavyweight division. Uh, you know, came out hard, a couple good strikes, got him up against the fence, hard takedown, and then got that sub in. Um, Abubakar Nurmagomedov looked fantastic against Jared Gooden. Uh, you know, I thought that he was going to take this fight to the ground way more than he did. He only got it to the ground once and then controlled the whole last round. But he completely outstruck Jared Gooden. And uh, I think that was due to his speed, but also shows how good he is. And I think he's a serious challenge uh, and a guy who's going to come up in that welterweight division and make some noise. In the light heavyweight dis- uh, division, Michal Olezekchuk defeated Modescus Bakakis. That was a good fight, a uh, close fight, but ultimately Michel got the decision win. And Shane Young versus Omar Morales, another good fight. Uh, it took place in the featherweight division. Omar Morales got the unanimous decision win. And uh, for the first fight of the whole card, uh, Barrel versus Azatar. Um, good fight, a little crazy. Uh, ultimately, Barrel... Uh, you know, had to dig deep and won the cardio battle and won and got the finish in the late in the third round. Uh, but good way to start off the card and ultimately a great pay-per-view considering there was a lot of fights that, you know, got canceled, got moved, got postponed, couldn't happen. A little bit of a smaller card, but ultimately very entertaining and crazy main event. And, uh, you know, no, no uh, event this weekend. And there won't be an event until April 10th, which is in two weekends. Uh, Till versus Vittori fight night. So I will catch you guys next week to preview that. And until then, I'll be back eventually for next week. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll catch you guys soon.